Welcome everyone to episode six of Martial Arts Medcast. Today we have Dr. Lucius, uh, board certified orthopedic surgeon. He specializes in hand and upper extremity surgery and is also a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and has trained mixed martial arts in the past. I would like to welcome you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. So today, um, let's, before we get into some of the you know, more scientific stuff about the, the hands and martial arts. I just kind of want to hear your background and what brings you to San Diego. Sure. So I was born and raised in, in Northern California, and, and that's when I, I got into wrestling. And through wrestling, I had a coach get me into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and that planted a seed. Then went off to college in San Diego, UC San Diego, and that education eventually led to the decision to pursue medicine. I didn't have a, a plan. Um, uh, I originally thought I was going to go into emergency medicine and life experiences and diving in and experiencing things led me to orthopedic surgery. My orthopedic surgery residency was also at UC San Diego. Eventually I decided to subspecialize in hand surgery and throughout this process I was kind of Getting, getting jiu-jitsu in when I could. I did a little mixed martial arts as well and competed in that. I've been back in San Diego in private practice now for a, a little more than five and a half years. Awesome, man. It's like, I mean, San Diego is the best city for, I mean, it seems to be one of the best cities for jiu-jitsu, at least in the U.S. I, I would put it up there against anything, you know. Very fortunate that the amount of black belts and high-level instructors and people who are interested in it per capita yeah. is uh is really high here in san diego i think it's like the equivalent of starbucks to seattle like that's how many jiu -jitsu sure. we have yeah every, yeah every corner, every corner here and it's not watered down which you know at least i haven't found schools that are watered down you know no uh you've got world champions at schools multiple schools all over the place and it's 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 a special place to train so what made you start training? You said it was your coach. When was the moment when you felt like I'm going to train jujitsu forever? Sure. Uh, well, so wrestling was the, the first thing I got into. And that, that I kind of got into because I was small and I, I needed weight classes. Um, you know, everyone started growing in junior high and high school and I stayed small. And so I still wanted to stay in sports. I, I really liked sports and wrestling had weight classes. For the first few years of high school, I didn't even fit those small weight classes, but eventually started growing and, and I was good at it. Not great, but decent. And I enjoyed it. There was a, a component of kind of chess uh, to it uh, that I enjoyed. There's a cerebral component along with the physicality. And when my coach introduced me to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, this was Garth Taylor, one of the original American black belts. So it was awesome that I got plugged in with a guy like that early on and uh, it just kind of went from there. Okay. And I'm sorry, what, Garth, what was his name? Garth Taylor. Garth Taylor. He was up in the Bay. Yeah, this is in Santa Cruz, California. He was, he was uh, one of the first American, might've been the first American black belt under Claudio Franza, okay. uh, who was a Brazilian who, who immigrated to, to that area. And Santa Cruz got a little head start in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu compared to other places. And is Garth who you got your black belt from? No, no, I, I, I moved uh, from Santa Cruz to San Diego when I finished high school. And 
and uh, well, I've kind of stayed in touch with Garth. I I, I, uh, I had my blue belt, I believe, when I when I left Santa Cruz. Okay. Um, so early on in that process. How long were you a blue belt for? It was probably maybe three years. Hard to say. It's so long ago now. And then my my first black belt instructor here in San Diego was Roy Harris, uh, an amazing instructor still here in San Diego. Learned a lot from him and got my purple belt from him before I went off to medical school. What school is it, like a specific school that you train at? It, this is with currently or? Yeah, currently. Why? Yeah, so most of my training now is through Victory in, in Point Loma. The main black belt there is Dean Lister, world champion and probably one of the more accomplished American Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes in, uh, there is. And also for a while there, there was Jeff Glover. And there's lots of other black belts there. And so I, I've been very fortunate to have the, the instructors that I've had. Jeff Glover moved up to, was it not Goleta, but up north? Yeah, like yeah, Goleta, Santa Barbara area. Yeah, that was a couple and, years uh, ago. That school, I, I used to, I was into Krav Maga when I lived there, but I was a travel nurse for about a year in, in Santa Barbara. And I almost moved there. I loved, I loved it, uh, Santa Barbara so much. Um, but I was training Krav and I had friends that had trained, were training jujitsu at Paragon. So that school is amazing. I really, I really. Oh, yeah. Another, another example of a, a, an amazing Brazilian jiu-jitsu teacher and competitor moves to a coastal California city and yeah. then the Americans get a hold of it and take it to other places. Unbelievable how jiu-jitsu is growing and kind of like you were saying you you know you were there you were there way before jiu-jitsu was cool. You know? <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Um, it's definitely, I've seen it go from where people had no idea what it was to then the UFC becoming popular and people realizing that it was something to, I mean, now again, like we were talking about in San Diego, it's everywhere. Literally every corner. And <laughs> yeah. you could, the cool thing is you really could drop into most gyms and, you know, there's a guy that has gold medals, you know, that has yeah. won world championships and made it's it's uh it's if if it's a sport that you like it's 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 an extraordinary place to train and you can find a school that fits your personality and there's so many good people training and it's not necessarily about competition you know it's self defense it's exercise it's you know a little confidence in 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 being able to do things that you didn't know you could do there's a lot of great things to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu I 100% agree with that. It's unbelievable. Like people think it's just like you train because now, and, and now you can beat somebody up or whatever. I don't think it's the self-defense component or even the, you know, the fact that you have these techniques that you can handle yourself, but it's the confidence that you gain from learning your body and learning what it feels like when people grab you or when people, somebody's oh, yeah. trying to, you know, beat you up. I can't agree more. I mean, yeah. I, as you get more and more experience with it, you, you know, what might've startled you or brought panic to you. If someone grabbed you a certain way, you, you know exactly what you need to do or, or how much you need to worry. And, and that confidence carries over. And I think, you know, people can see that and you don't become a target necessarily if people are trying to start a fight. You definitely become less of a hothead. I've talked to so many guys that 
they're like, oh, I used to get into so many bar fights. And then I started training jujitsu. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And, and for a few reasons, at least I think, you know, one, you get your, that aggressive energy out in a constructive way. And then two, you get humbled. You know, there's no way to get good at jujitsu without getting tapped out a lot. And you're getting tapped out by, you know, women who you're way stronger than. You're getting tapped yeah. out by that little teenager. You're getting tapped out by the old dude. And you're just like, well, all right, either I get better and be humble about it or I quit, you know, because it's hard to take. And, <laughs> uh, and so you come out of it just you're, you're a different person. You're definitely more humble. Absolutely. I remember, you know, getting beat up by just, yeah, the, the young, young kids, you know, when I first started training, I'm just like, man, like, there's just, I mean, technique goes a long way. You know, their strength matters for sure. Like, I'm not going to yeah. say, you know, get Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. I try Kimura, doing a Kimura on Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Arm bar to that, that bicep, I don't think so. <laughs> strength, size, it matters. But if you can neutralize it and negate it uh, in some ways with technique, which jujitsu lets you do, um, yeah with martial arts med i my my eventual goal is to bring you know self-defense into the hospitals but as you would imagine you get a lot of kickback because of the fact of you know it's a fighting or combat sport it's not always about the submission it like the position before submission aspect of it if you can get position and run away jujitsu is great for that you know that oh yeah yeah i mean that there's so much to it and a lot of people you know kind of this reflex towards martial arts and you know they picture the movies where you're just in these crazy combat punching and kicking and doing all kinds of crazy stuff but in with Krav Maga you know there's stuff where you do what you need to do as quickly as possible to end the fight and a great way to end the fight is to get away from it and yep. that should definitely be part of how people understand martial arts yeah i mean problem got we did learn a lot of like you know obvious eye gouging throat strikes kick to the groin all of those things but you know the first thing is yeah get away if you can you know yeah and that stuff is effective though i mean if you put your thumb in somebody's eyeball they're gonna most likely back down <laughs> sure yeah yeah and and then there's a, a situational awareness that can come about it you know knowing how to put yourself into a doorway to keep, you know, to funnel multiple attackers or, or whatever it is, you know, just a, a way of, of seeing situations that can limit the dangerous situations. Definitely. And the situational awareness going back to, to that, just knowing your body in space and at what distance can somebody actually strike me or grab me or positioning yourself and just being confident in that alone. Like, in jujitsu, like if you're not, it teaches you, right? Like if your arm's in one spot, you're like, oh, they're going to armbar me. Like it's potential, yeah. right? And I think that translates big time. For sure. How long have you been training now, jujitsu? I started jujitsu over, over 20 years ago. Lots of starts and stops. I would probably say I have trained consistently probably for close to 14 years. And uh, that includes some, some time where I was pretty dedicated to mixed martial arts. It's a long road. Certainly there are some people who go faster than I did. There's some people who don't make it to where I did at all. A lot of it is just showing up and being willing to grind away. The fact that but you have a medical levels. degree and a, and a black belt is pretty impressive though. 
Yeah, well, it, it certainly checks on the resume. And I remember you know, when I was a blue belt and thinking about becoming a doctor, I'd kind of set that goal. I wanted to be a doctor and a black belt. Yep. And so it's, it's nice to have gotten there. And what's funny is now you get there and you're like, all right, well, I can get way better at both. And so the, the, the path continues, the journey continues. And, and it's funny, the analogy that I also draw is getting your black belt in jujitsu is a lot like getting your medical degree. It's certainly an accomplishment. It takes a long time. You definitely have to earn it, but the learning is really just starting. And while there's certain expectations when you have that black belt on, there's so much more to learn, but there's some responsibility to it too. And glad I have it. A lot more to learn. It's crazy when I hear that. It's like when people get their black belt, it's like they're, they were reborn into a white belt. And I guess you'll never, like, I'll never know until I get there, you know. Yeah. Keep showing up. You will. And, and when you do, you're going to go through that experience of like, oh, man. And then you settle in. And it, a big thing for me was actually getting tapped out for the first time as a black belt and realizing it's okay. It, I lived. I'm survived. I'm still a black belt. People still respect me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you, you keep going, you know, so. That, that, that would be tough, um, especially if it was like, you know, even a white belt. Uh, yeah. I mean, a white belt is not going to tap me. Yeah. <laughs> white belt's I hope not, not man. Me. Uh, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll let them in the game and let them feel like they're doing all right. But, uh, you know, if I'm trying, a white belt's not going to get me. It's crazy. Like every time you get a belt, I'm a blue belt. But yeah, when I had gotten received my blue belt, though, I can just – you can feel the energy change with some people that were that didn't get promoted or their white belts that like now it's like, Oh shit. Now they're coming for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's you kind of a little bit of, you know, you're, the white belts see you as a guy that they're going to go after that much harder because it's, if they get that blue belt, yeah, they're, they're getting better. And then, you know, the purple belts have to take you a little more seriously and it, it happens at every level. A little change goes in and you got to adapt the way you do things a little differently. Your approach is a little different because other people's approach is going to be a little different to, to what they're trying to get out of you. That's, that's very true. Super fun, man. Love jujitsu. Have you been able to find time to train with, you know, our conditions that we're in? Well, yeah. So with, with uh, COVID, um, it's not the ideal sport um, to participate in, certainly being inside of a a gym without great ventilation. So uh, for about six months, I didn't, I didn't do any training, uh, which was a bummer because before that I was trying to get in four or five times a week. The only form of exercise I was, I was, I, I was getting. Um, and then kind of, as you kind of figure things out and you, you can find some people you trust who, if they're sick, they're not coming to the gym, they're going to take things seriously. I've gotten a little bit of training in here and there in the last few months with some people I trust in a, in a garage, yeah. <laughs> well-ventilated garage uh, with mats on the ground. And, and it's certainly better than nothing, but not as much as I'd like. It sucks that jujitsu is like the worst possible thing you can do during a pandemic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a bummer, and a, a lot of us who who do it are having a hard time with that transition. There's some people probably not being as responsible as they should. You know, hopefully people don't regret it later on. But yeah, I mean that's a yeah. worry. But I want I mean I, I worry about some of these guys' mental health. You know, without it, and that's yeah, and that's definitely something that you have to consider. Jiu-jitsu, just like any 
anything that people really love, it's hard, you know, whether it's, you know, someone who's a surfer and they just got to get in the waves. If you told them, no, you can't do that for an indefinite amount of time. I mean, that's rough. And it was rough on me. And, and so I, I'm not going to tell people you can't do it, but you got to be smart and be responsible and realize that your decisions have repercussions outside of you directly, you know. If you get someone else sick, they might get their family sick. And over the holidays, that gets their grandparents sick and then they're dead. So it's just personal responsibility combined with mental health. And I get it. Got to get some training in. I think the, the healthiest, I mean, the healthiest way is it's so I've, I've tried to train with a mask and um, it, it, it seems that that would be, you know, if you're going to do it, wear a mask it's just so damn hard and um, to get it to stay on. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've been, I, ha I found a mask that stays on pretty well. Like I have to adjust it a couple times while training. I mean, especially during, I mean, drilling easy, you know, but during a roll, like it takes a few times of adjusting it during the roll. But if you really think about it, how many times have you been rolling with somebody and they're breathing in your face? Like not even just like around you, like there's like on your eyeball, there's just a breath. You know, you know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> yeah, it, it's impossible to to uh, limit those interactions. So it's just finding the balance and being responsible about it. Absolutely. We'll get through it. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> it will end. We'll get back to it. What inspired you to go into medicine? It's not one epiphany moment or, or it certainly wasn't my life path. You know, there's no pressure only for my parents to do it. Certainly, I was kind of raised with perhaps a, a, some altruism to what my future career would be, uh, serving the community one way or another. I was drawn to academics one way or another, and it was kind of just doing well in, in college, passing or, or doing well in organic chemistry, and, and then, you know, realizing I could do it in the first place, make it into medical school, realizing I could help people by doing that, and just kind of quickly realized that that was probably the best path for me where I'd get the most satisfaction in career. And then going into surgery was also something that I didn't anticipate until I started doing it, going through the medical school rotations. And, and there was something rewarding to me that perhaps other people wouldn't have gotten, but where I could use my hands and tools and put things back together and see as far as medicine goes, near immediate results. That was rewarding and still very rewarding. That's so cool. It's orthopedic surgery. I mean, that's trauma and orthopedics, like some of my favorite specialties. I worked trauma for years before I, I was in this, you know, surgeon unit. And I love trauma because it's, you can fix them, you know, not always, but it's like they have a shattered femur, okay? You, you can put this person back together versus, you know, some kind of chronic disease. And I always love that, you know, I, it has to be super rewarding for you because you're fixing people and then they're better afterwards. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, you know, being, being a doctor, being a clinician, being a nurse, I mean, there's difficult parts to it. And some of those in the hardest parts, sometimes it's decision-making. What, you know, what, what do you do with trauma uh, certainly there's, there's a simple, a simple decision to make, you know, a broken femur, I got to fix it. 
you know, the, the joke in orthopedic surgery is that's the only thing we care about. And there might be a few other things going on with the patient. Um, but, you know, we, we fix bones and that's what we want to do. And, and, uh, and certainly when we do it, we're happy. Yeah. They don't even have a head and you're just like, got to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, broken bone. I got to fix it. Yeah. No blood pressure. That's fine. It's anesthesia. Just do your job. Um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's like, you're like the carpenters of the yeah yeah we we got the hammers we got the saws we got the drills hmm. um using our hands uh it's it's fun have you seen a lot of martial arts injuries in your field definitely um you know in, in person doing the martial arts and then also as a as a clinician having patients coming through clinic there there's definitely injuries would i say there's more injuries than other sports not necessarily you know, certainly Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and mixed martial arts, it's overt in what you're trying to accomplish. You know, you are intentionally applying a hold that inflicts pain. Yeah. And and so people see that as dangerous and, and more injury prone than other things. But and football's dangerous, hockey's dangerous, driving a car is dangerous if you look at just the statistics. But no benefit so, besides it, getting somewhere. <laughs> uh, uh, and and so definitely I, I see injuries it's part of life it's part of doing things and you know as I've subspecialized into hand surgery and things like that my my interest goes more and more towards the hands and wrists and elbows and and they, they definitely get beat up things unique that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brings forth in that regard with the gi you know, you're, you're grabbing this tough material. It's putting a ton of torque on your grip and on your fingers. And then especially when your opponent's trying to break your grip. So, so that, that puts, there, right? a, it puts a special amount of stress on, on those finger and wrist joints. And, and, you know, there's often finger sprains and, and things like that, but Certainly joints can become dislocated, tendons can rupture, and, and uh, if it comes up, we deal with it. So I've talked to, it was actually an ER physician that he loved jujitsu, but he couldn't train anymore for, I don't know if it was, he had like 12 kids or something crazy. He's like, I can't <laughs> train. He's like, but it was my favorite thing. He had trained for like four years or something, I had to quit, but he gave me like an interesting, I guess, fact, but I, I, I'll ask you about this, but he says, he said that the interesting thing about jujitsu is that the most common, the most common injuries are, you know, the small injuries, like, you know, non-fatal, you know, where it comes to like fingers, broken fingers, broken toes, you know, um, but out of all the martial arts, the basically the, the lowest risk for life-threatening or severe injuries. I don't know if there's truth to that, but most commonly it, or it's the highest rate for these other injuries, such as the, you know, the fingers and toes. And yeah. I mean, the, the research that's out there, uh, whether it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or similar sports like Judo, you know, catastrophic injury that we think of life-threatening paralysis and, and those kind of things. It's low, it's low. Whereas certainly you're getting nicks and scrapes and sprains and, and you're definitely got to be willing to deal with some soreness if you're going to do it. Uh, so I, I would probably agree with that. And, you know, jujitsu, the, the, the gentle way compared to other sports, 
there is certainly a, a philosophy where you're not necessarily, you know, clashing with, with force, you know, there's a give and a take and a push and a pull where you can, you know, not take some of the, you know, the, the heavy stresses that you would in other sports. And then, you know, you can choke people and uh, they go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, I don't want to, scare myself but like have you seen these catastrophic injuries with jujitsu like broken necks with full-on paralysis and stuff like that um i've never been in the gym uh, when one has happened you know there's i guess some videos floating around on on youtube of instances like that happening think of one that comes to mind a guy's going for a move that's ill-advised you know flying armbar flying triangle kind of thing and and uh puts himself in a a bad place and and he lands on his head and I saw that video man it makes yeah me it, oh it's, it's scary and and you know so obviously it can happen but you know I think if people are are being smart and you're training with people you trust and you're not going to be put in a situation like that it I don't think it's going to happen and, and that's another thing about jiu-jitsu you know I, I'm, a, I'm not competing at this point it, my priorities are way different in life and I'm never going to be putting myself in that situation I, I i don't have that fear of being dropped on my head or anything like that and sure part of it is that i can control the situation a lot of times because i've been training for a long time but i'm also going to swallow my ego and if i'm getting put in a weird place i just stop it you know it's over and the people you're training with don't want to hurt you so th- those instances in a gym are are so extraordinarily rare i can't say it's a, it's a big fear at all that's that's really that's nice to hear I figured it was pretty low. I just didn't know if you had seen those type, types of injuries. Fortunately, fortunately, I have not had to treat anyone or I haven't had to care for one or haven't had a training partner you know, deal with any, any of those types of injuries. But Being an orthopedic surgeon, do you, when somebody does a move, do you think like, I, I can just, like I see almost you visualizing like, oh yeah, it's that ligament. It's this, <laughs> they're all like, you know exactly like what is being torn or broken. I certainly have some knowledge on, on how things work. It's interesting with these submissions and how they apply things, the Brazilians first, but other people, the Americans or whoever has taken the sport to other levels, they've kind of figured out the optimal way to, to apply pressure to achieve goals that they're trying to achieve. And, <laughs> and while I kind of understand the anatomy a little bit more, I can't say it makes me any, any better. Maybe it instills a little bit more fear in me knowing exactly what I could be doing to somebody or what they could be doing to me. And then I also know, I guess the the thing that influences me most is I know the recovery that it takes to recover from some of these injuries. I know the nature of the surgery and how long it takes to get back on the mats. And so I, I, I know those things that other people may not. So, yeah. I had, um, I had done a, a podcast just a couple of weeks ago with a chiropractor we spoke on warming up and like kind of warming up the the knees and the the glutes and all that and about a week later I hurt my knee not, maybe not even about three days I didn't warm up I did I got there late and I didn't warm up and then the first guy I rolled with like went super hard on me like just shot a double leg like the moment it was like shook hands I'm like dude this like like it was a competition but I hurt my knee and it's still hurting now. But after this one, I'm just thinking like, dude, my hands better be good for the next couple of weeks at least. Like, <laughs> it was like, is that going to be my luck? We, 
I have you on and then now I have a broken finger. Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I definitely hope not. Um, you, man. No. <laughs> to say that I train the same way as I did when I was younger, you know, I, I definitely have to take care of my hands. You know, if I hurt my hands, I can't work and that's definitely not ideal. So there's things I, I definitely do to protect my hands. I'm not aggressive with gi grips. In fact, I, I preferentially choose no gi training for that reason. Okay. But if we're wearing a gi, we're wearing a gi. And I, I'm just, you know, if a guy's going to break my grip, okay, I, I'll, I'll let it go. You know, yeah. I also, I, I did for a long time tape my fingers. Uh, I've since, and that taping began to be, uh, began uh, me buddy taping fingers together. So kind of making my hand into a Spock hand. Okay. For those Ninja that Turtle. can't see that. Um, yeah, Ninja Turtle or Spock or however you want to think of it. And so you, you've got two fingers together, making it less likely any one finger will get twisted or pulled. And then out there on the internet, I, I found gloves, that little neoprene flexible gloves that do, do that for me. So it just saves on time and tape. It doubles them up this way? Yeah, yeah. And it, it's definitely prevented injuries, you know, combined with still being a little bit careful. Do you uh, feel haven't that, had issues. Do you feel that it weakens your joints or muscles in your fingers by wearing those? I don't think buddy taping necessarily weakens weakens the joints or the muscles. You know, you're, you're still essentially you've got the full range of motion that you're going to be going through. It's not, it's protecting the joints, but it's not necessarily weakening them. Okay. And, and, and on that, you know, it's not like you're strengthening joints. You can't really strengthen a joint. You can strengthen the muscles that support it maybe improve proprioception of where your body is in space to, to keep injuries from happening. But with finger joints, there's not strengthening a joint, but keeping the muscle strong and all that, I can still do that with the gloves. And I guess the one thing that it, once you start training with them, that there is a difference in how you, you grip a lapel when you're doing a choke. You know, you either have the option of two fingers in or four fingers in. And as you may know, you know, if you're trying to do a choke, sometimes you grab a three or sometimes it's one because you're just trying to grab something in there. And, yep. and uh, you can't do that with those gloves. It's either okay. two or four fingers. So these, <laughs> these gloves, do they stay on during training? Yeah, they stay pretty well. Uh, they're, they're gloves that come down around the wrist. You know, of the hundreds of times that I've trained wearing them, there's been a few times that it kind of got caught on someone and it, com it comes off, but and you stop and put it back on, you know. So, so besides having the gloves, would you recommend like at least doing like the Spock taping every every time you train or? That's my go-to. And and as you, you alluded to with your recent knee injury, having a routine, and you know, it's hard to do. Sometimes you're late and you want to jump in on class and depending on the school you're at, there's a certain formal, you know, you feel bad if you're showing up late and you want to go through the warm-ups and you, you want to do what everyone else is doing, but having that routine to kind of get your mind and your body ready to train, to do something hard, because sparring in jiu-jitsu is, is hard, is important. And so I have my routine. I, I go through my process of warming up my back and getting things limber and making sure my gloves are on. And uh, I do it every time. I think there's one time early on I'm wearing my gloves right. I won't wear them today. And then I hurt my fingers. So. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Do you, warm, do you warm your fingers up? Is that something you do? Your wrist? Uh, I, I can't say I'm doing a specific warm up or stretch for my fingers. Uh, I can't say it's wrong if people want to do that. 
the things that I'm doing in my warmups, they're not, not focused on my hands or wrists, but I make sure that I'm loose and ready to move kind of everywhere. It's as much mental preparation of just kind of separating myself from everything that had been going on that day as best I can and, and be ready to be there for the jujitsu. It makes sense. I definitely have gone through many different phases of taping my fingers or just resorting to taping when I'm injured. And and tape is expensive. It becomes yeah. expensive. Yeah. Shout out to Kimo that owns Bolo. I don't know if you know Kimo <laughs> Anderson, Bolo Tape. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's always taping this. He has this like specific way of taping. And yeah, and, and on that note, I mean, there's some guys who've got great ways of taping their fingers, intricate, awesome ways of doing it that I do think probably support the finger joints pretty well. You know, nothing's perfect, but I had neither the time nor the desire to, to get that just right. And for me, uh, I find the buddy taping has worked the best. So when you um, recommend that, are you saying like at what spots, on, at what points of the fingers are you taping? The, the buddy taping, it's so twice kind of uh, the, 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 the first joint of the finger, the proximal interphalangeal joint. I put a, a strip of tape distal to that and one proximal okay. to that. Okay. But never um, over the joint. Uh, just because it limits the joint motion. And I didn't like that feeling. Certainly taping around the joint gives the joint a little stability. And if I've sprained the joint doing something, sometimes I will wrap around the joint specifically. But if my fingers feel good, I think I can support the joints enough with taping above and below the joints. Okay. Do you, do you ice your hands ever? Only, only when I've got an injury. It's not a routine portion, part of what I do. If someone's got an injury, icing is great. There are times, certainly when you're early on in jujitsu and you're just gripping, you do not want to let go of a grip. Yeah, your hands get sore and stiff and, you know, icing can certainly help afterwards to prevent additional stiffness and soreness the next day. So you're going to be starting a YouTube channel here? Yeah, it's a goal. Uh, it, well, I've thought about it for a long time, but with a little extra time due to the, the pandemic, it's something I've actually been able to kind of put together and combine some passions of mine of, of combat sports and orthopedic surgery. Hopefully uh, this year, 2021, early, uh, hopefully the next month or so, some videos are going to start going up. Awesome, man. I'll keep a lookout. It's, I'll tune in for sure. Yeah, I'll definitely let you know when, when the first ones go up. I like, obviously, I've tried to create this world for myself where, you know, I'm connecting, truly connecting jujitsu and my job, you know, and my you know, my two lives together. And yeah. I think, you know, you can offer so much to the combat sports community and jujitsu. I want to shed light on preventative strategies and how to, you know, not get injured in jujitsu. And even though, you know, it's, it's going to happen and I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even practicing what I'm preaching half the time, you know, I, I hurt my <laughs> knee, but um, I like the idea of the routine and then just never straying away. Yeah. I mean, that's one way. Uh, nothing is perfect. Jiu-jitsu inherently, you're going to get dinged up. It's impossible not to, but being smart about it, uh, anybody can do it. You can be 75, you can be 15, you can be a professional who has to use his hands all of the time, or, or you can not be, uh, you know, anybody can do it. I've heard there's many people that say that, and there's many people that say it's not for everybody. I'm, I'm more on that end as well, that I think anybody can do it with adjustments. You know, I mean, if you're 75, you're not going to be rolling with 
the crazy 17 year old or whatever, but it's definitely, I mean, the movements are functional. You like, I get up out of bed differently because of jujitsu. Oh, oh, definitely. There was a period of time I I hadn't trained in about four years and I was starting to find some more time. I got into it and I realized my hips and knees did not move the way needed to. And I started training again. Four months later, my hips and knees moved better. Yes, people picture this, this overtly aggressive martial art and that is part of it. And no, I don't recommend going against the 25-year-old former collegiate wrestler if you're 75 or, you know, but that's the great thing about jujitsu is any school, most schools, especially in San Diego, you're going to find one where's the guy where the guys want to just drill moves and practice or, you know, go over situational rolling or whatever it is you, you can train and be safe and have friends and people you trust and you can advance in jujitsu. Anybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to me that people that start so late in life, like my friend, uh, Claudio, he's 50, 52 now, I want to say. And he started training, you know, like six, seven years ago. He's a brown belt. Started way late in life, you know, and is beats my ass. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, with technique comes a lot of power and you learn how to control your movements and your breathing and you don't expend as much energy. And, and man, there's some old dudes who are badass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the, yeah. the the functionality though, man, I like, I mean, even just, um, so we were talking about different sports that cause injury. I would play basketball and I rolled each ankle probably, I don't know, hundreds of times each ankle, man. It was every, like, I just had really bad ankles and then I would wear the braces and it would weak and, you know, get even worse. And then I would take the brace off and then roll it again. And it was this never ending cycle. And then I started jujitsu and I haven't rolled my ankle since. Like it's been just that like barefoot and ba- the balance yeah. that you get from it. It's amazing. Yeah, that uh, that's awesome. I will recommend that uh, to patients of mine that have some ankle issues. But it's true. Uh, you, you injure ligaments and you lose kind of this proprioception of where your body is in space just because that's how it goes. But training and moving and doing things, for sure, you can regain strength and stability. Definitely. Is there anything, is there anything you'd like to get out into the world and to my 25 listeners before we get <laughs> this thing? That, that number will, will grow, I'm sure. But I would say a, a few things. Jiu-Jitsu is amazing. I recommend it to anybody. And then also just, just be safe and responsible and, and care for your neighbor. Thank you, man. Be a good training partner. Exactly. Life and jiu-jitsu. Be a good training partner. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for for listening and tuning in to episode six of Martial Arts Medcast.